Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So it's uh, all for play for still. I think so. Do you want to bet against us? villains and i hope everybody has had a fantastic last few days i know that uh, the sun has been shining here in ireland and myself and patty you might see it here i've got a bit of sunburn on my forehead but um myself and patty have been in soaking up the sun here i hope everybody is uh, recovered after the weekend after that unfortunate result for for england against italy in a uh, euro 2020 final um and that's really what we're going to chat about today we're going to have a look back at um, the Aston Villa, how Aston Villa fared, I suppose, in Euro 2020 across all the teams and all the players that played. We're going to have a little look at Copa America as well and just talk a small bit about that because we don't want that to be the poor relation either, considering we had representation there as well. And we'll talk about other little bits and pieces and snippets that are coming up um, that we feel are coming up, should I say, over the next few weeks. But the first question, as always, on the podcast is, how the hell are you doing, Paddy? I'm good, thanks. And yourself? I'm grand. I'm grand. I'm suffering a small bit, as I say. From I got burnt. When I say it was sunny, it wasn't tremendously sunny. Like I, don't, I just have that Irish predisposition to like factor ninety. Um, we're not built for for for. I suppose for a race of people that spent a lot of the time working outside in the past. We're not very good at taking the sun, you know. It just it never worked out that way, did it? Never no, it didn't. But no. look, we get so little of it, we may as well just enjoy it and stop giving out about it. <laughs> Absolutely, 100%. You said it, Paddy. That's exactly it. Every time I start giving out about the, the sun, please feel free to put me back in my box. Um, <laughs> but talking about sun and sunshine and, and uh, you know, I suppose good good feelings good vibes and all that kind of stuff your 2020 has come and gone paddy and we didn't talk an awful lot about it i suppose really because look we didn't really have a dog in the fight from the same point of 
our little old nation, as I say, we spend a lot of time uh, working outside. That's all. A lot of our guys were good for at the moment. Certainly, they were good for digging pitches. Never mind playing <laughs> on them this year. But that's a story for a completely other day. A complete other day. But you know, your twenty twenty um has just just finished up. Obviously, we've had representation at the competition. Before we start talking about the Villa, I suppose the Villa representation, what were your overall feelings on the whole tournament? How it went off, you know, being played in different cities and so on. You know, did you enjoy it? Did you enjoy the fact that there was football on for the last nine and five weeks? I'm not going to lie. I struggled to get into it. And I think the reason I struggled to get into it is that we've had no break. We, we've, we've had non-stop yeah. football since... Yeah since Project Lockdown or Project Restart uh, last year. And I, I kind of just found myself struggling to watch it. Um, I watched all the England games, um, watched all the big games that, that you know, were about. But uh, real life, real life uh, started to get back to normal here during Euro 2020. And we're, uh, you know, I'm playing taxi, bringing my son to training every night and doing all that kind of stuff. So um, it kind of interrupted the viewing, let's say. And then, of course, we can finally leave our county and, and do some traveling. So I did a bit of camping during uh, during the Euros. So for that reason, I missed a good bit of it. But, you know, even even while I was camping, I managed to watch uh, England-Ukraine in the tent on, on my iPad. So um, You got to a goal fest. That's it. We got we got to uh, you know I, I didn't miss out on any important games, but I didn't go out of my way to watch most of it. And uh, you know I think my I genuinely feel that's because I've just inundated with football for for well over a year and there's been no let up and um it's been constant because you know when you think of it you you go back three or four months you watch five or six matches every weekend. And the weather, the weather's been so bad. You were watching them because <laughs> you had nothing else to do. You couldn't go out. You couldn't do anything. So, um, kind of had just a little bit of a break from it. But, um, the most important thing is Villa are back very, very soon, and that's what I'm looking forward to the most. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. And before I suppose before we kind of leave the Euro 2020s piece, let that's something I don't have done on my rundown sheet is the preseason stuff. So I'm feverishly here trying to add it as we speak, but um, the people who are listening will never know that, Paddy. That can be our little secret. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, of course, look, Aston Villa, and keep me honest with this, because I know I'm going to forget one or two people, but Aston Villa did have some uh, representation, as we say. Obviously, we had representation throughout with an English team in the form of Jack Grealish and Tyrone Mings. And we yep. will get back and we will speak about those. And I think that uh, I think there is a lot to be spoken about those. But obviously, we've had uh, Lover Kalnich as well being named uh, in in the Croatian side or the Croatian uh, in the Croatian squad. team, which yep. is a squad. And he's actually left the left the club during the week, uh, gone on loan to Hijack's place, and mm-hmm. uh, seems to be a, a move that he that he certainly wanted. Hijack wanted, and Aston Villa are just happy, I suppose, to kind of get him playing time, considering he still has. I think he still has two years left after this year on his deal. It's a, it's a quite a strange yeah. one. I think, I think it's two years from now. Two years so, from now, maybe, yeah. So he'll, have, he'll have one year at the end of this one. And I, I think, honestly, he knows himself he, he's going to struggle to get into this team. So yeah. um, if, if he's any hopes of, of uh, regaining his international place, he should probably get back and, and play with split full time. So that's probably what he, he's thinking. That's what we're thinking. Um just never happened for him at the club, I don't think. So unfortunate. I, I, I had big hopes from when he came in. Um, big lad, big imposing goalkeeper. What you like to see, just just never happened for him. 
No, absolutely. One of Dean Smith's first signings, if if not his very first signing as well, and uh, or maybe the very first si- very first signing we had when Dean Smith was manager. That might even be a, uh, I suppose, a, a, a truer reflection of of it. I don't know whether he was a Smith signing because you know there was a times there where Smith went out of his way not to play him, and then ultimately yes. ended up bringing in players, you know, uh, other players in to play play goalkeeper as well. But like Lever Kailash didn't see. Didn't see any game time in in the Euros this year, but um, you know, Aston Villa representation very very important. You know, to have that and to have it across across the spectrum, I suppose, of the teams. And obviously, you know, little John McGinn was in there for Scotland. Obviously, Scotland being um being drawn in the same in the same group as England spiced that one up a small a bit. And uh, you know, that 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 Scottish team things didn't really happen for them at all during the course of the championship. But did you get to see any of John McGinn and what were your thoughts of him? I did I saw I saw all the Scottish games as well. Um my son is a big John McGinn fan, so mm. uh, everything was built around the Scotland games for him. Um you know they, they never got going. The the, the Scotland England game Funnily enough, I really enjoyed for a nil-all draw. I thought it was it was a really good game of tactical chess, um, and and no team capable of of breaking it down. But it was a game that I enjoyed watching. Um, they just went out with a whimper in the end, unfortunately. Um, just lack lack of uh, just toothless up front, really. Um, I think the strikers they had were just weren't up to the up to the fight, and that ultimately cost them. If, they, if they'd have got a win in one, one of the games, it probably would have changed everything and they would have ended up getting through probably in the third place position, but it just it just didn't happen for them. They're just really, really yeah. toothless. Yeah, their cup final was always going to be the game against England. Like, And that's not a derogatory thing to say at all because look how many times have Ireland across the years in whatever sport, whatever code you want mm. to play England in, whatever time has that been our cup final? And you, you know, like you can go back to... You even go back to 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 you know go back through the years when we've played England and we've been drawn with England in tournaments as well. You know there was song saying who put the ball in England. That Bray Houghton doesn't have, has never had to put his hand in his pocket in Ireland since you know uh, yeah. little things like that. But um, and maybe that can kind of take the can take kind of the spark out of things afterwards as well that you get yourself so high for those games. And then maybe you, you know, you yeah. just fall flat in the rest of them that's, as that's well. That's how I but... felt in, in the third game then they were very flat. You know, yeah. they, they showed signs in the first game, yet they were undone by a, a worldly uh, finish to, that ultimately killed them off. But they, they showed great promise in that game. And I, I thought in the third game they just failed to get up for it. And you're right, you know, it is obviously of of the, of the neighbouring countries. England, they're, you know, the biggest population, the biggest... Ah. But they're so far ahead but they're, as well. Yeah, they're so far ahead in in so many ways, and the, you know the fact that they're they're seated first as well, and um, make makes life a whole lot easier. Not that I'm making any excuses. If you're if you're good enough, you'll be seated first, and Absolutely. they're good enough. Um, and you know, I, I felt they they failed to they failed to match that performance in the tour game, and that that ultimately saw Scotland undone. Mm. And that was the end for John McGinn. And me being the selfish man that I am was was happy to see him get a rest. Um, they were never going to progress any further if they, if they did finish toward It just would have added maybe another three or four days onto John McGinn being away from Body More Heat. So, and you know what? Um, That's important. For, I suppose this is nasty for the podcast, and we don't have any loyalties to to to, to the international side of the game. And uh, in fairness, to be honest with you, we've actually been quite critical of it, regardless of who's been playing, whether it's been Ireland or whoever. Just within mm. the pandemic situation we've been in, yeah. but 
John McGinn, of all the players that Aston Villa have, because of his effervescence, he's running his industry around the field. You know, he, he does need a break. You know, he didn't really get a massive break first season in the Premier League, came in. Obviously, it was abridged and there was a bit of a break, but then there was COVID and uh, and, and there was a COVID outbreak. So the, the, yeah. the two seasons almost ran back to back last year. Then there was a COVID outbreak mid-season. So, you know, mm. we kind of, from a selfish Aston Villa point of view, getting somebody like like John McGinn, whose game is really predicated on never give up. You know, yeah. that's what it's predicated on and getting him a small bit more of a break. Although he didn't really take too much of a break because six days after Scotland were knocked out, himself and Conor Horan were uh, were training <laughs> together and they looked like they were doing some sort of a bleep test or some sort of uh, a Bronco run anyway when I was yeah. watching him on, on Instagram. So I was like, God, six days of arrest, you know, I, yeah. maybe... Some he's just completely built different to me. I'd need about three weeks after that. That's the thing. You just you know you, you look you look around um, from a selfish point of view. Jack didn't see much game time as such. Tyrone Mings did very well in in his in the first couple of games, yeah. but then then um, I think he came on sub in the third game for Harry Maguire, or was it the fourth game? But again, not too much game time in the last two weeks. So from a selfish point of view, they should be fresh enough. They'll enjoy their their break. They'll probably miss some of the preseason games, and we'll probably see them back towards the end of July. Um, not much of a break for them. Um, Jack has had a break with his injury before the Euros, so you would hope he would be a little bit fresh coming back into the into the preseason. And uh, obviously, Tyrone is probably going to be the tiredest of who he had at the Euros, and 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 not had much of a break. And you know, it's been a strange kind of break as well. And, and you mentioned international football. It, it, it's been a very difficult year for international football. Yeah. Like we've seen possibly, without making up excuses, we weren't good enough, but we've seen Ireland crash out of the Euros and probably have no chance at the World Cup all because of COVID restrictions and losing players and stuff like that. So it's, it's been a really weird year and I found it really hard to get up for any of the international games. Mm-hmm. Um you know, there's people traveling all over Europe. I, I, for this, you know, for that reason alone, I don't see any reason why they just didn't move the games to the UK or one of the countries that could uh, facilitate fans. And I think that's that's actually an interesting point, Paddy, because that's a plus that we have of the players that we've just mentioned there. You know, McGinn played played uh, his games in the majority of his games anyway in the UK. I don't know, it was one of them outside of the UK. And then England, of course, obviously mm-hmm. played every game bar that I came in Rome. Um, in 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 the UK as well. So lack of travel means lack of possibility. Well, I know that you, like you'd hope they're still in our bubbles and so on. I know the coronavirus cases are on the up in the UK, but you know, lack of travel, lack of international travel, travel and being in a in an air in an airplane, you would think would help decrease the. Know, amount but it was just, just you, you looked at what happened just before the tournament. Scotland travelled to bloody Portugal yeah, to play a game. Yeah. You're just shaking your head, going, "What?" God, and they dig, and they got COVID. You know, there was a COVID got, outbreak. Yeah. You know, yeah, like that, that, that could hinder their their progression, and you know, can put their training out of kilter. There's people missing mm. from their their tactical sessions. It's just just a strange, strange world, you know. And they didn't have any other games outside the UK. They had two in Hamden and one in 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 Wembley. So there's little enough travel there. So uh, John McGinn should be fresh enough, and and. You know, no, no travel worries there. Don't know where he's gone holidays. I think it's a big secret. And Bandon. he went down to down to, Hor- Hor- to run with, with Conor Horan. Yeah, mm. uh, I know there's a big uh, 
big story wondering where Jack went on his holidays today. I'm sure we'll find out eventually on Instagram or whatever. But I hope he's uh, I hope he's resting up on a yacht in the middle of the Mediterranean with no people around him and no hope. A million miles away from a photographer and, and from and a journalist who has to shot and COVID. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Look, I think it's I think it would be remiss not to discuss uh, the penalty shootout at the weekend, Paddy. Just from the point of view, of, and we're not going to go into this because we don't really have, as I said, we've no dog in this fight. We don't really have anything major to offer on this. It's just specifically because I feel that I I feel personally like we were interjected into this when Raikino opened up his mouth because of our absolute love, yeah. as everybody knows, for Raikino. Uh, and by the word love, I mean not love. Uh, I'm not going to say the word hate, but because of the type of man and the type of shyster that Roy Keane actually is. Um, and then he opened up his mouth and started spouting absolute nonsense, I think, after the game. Yeah. Um, I felt I have to bring this up. Look, the penalty show didn't go England's way. I actually fully expected England to win that game. I fully expected England to win the penalty shootout when the penalties were going on. Um, my commiserations to absolutely every English fan that's listening to this game. My biggest problem here, and this is what we want to speak about, is the obvious piece whereby people almost wanted to shift the blame onto the likes of Raheem Sterling and Jack Grealish, which I thought was pretty cowardly from punditry yeah. from the punditry point of view. It was, and, and and you know, from a journalistic point of view, from anybody who said it, yeah. because it just really was. You know, the manager makes the decision; they wanted to deflect the blame from the manager, or they wanted to deflect the blame from everybody else, and then they put it on two other people, two people yeah. they know will get clicks because. Who like two of the most two of the biggest lightning rods in that team are Raheem Sterling and Jack Grealish. Mm. Paddy, what's your views on that? Well, first of all, I, I found it an incredible watch. <clears throat> I, I'm I'm on the other side of that coin. I expected Italy to win the game, and when it went to penalties, I expected them to win the penalties, and that, and that's no slight on the England team. I just thought hey, Italy were a joy to watch in the games I watched them throughout the tournament. I think they look like the most explosive team in the tournament. They missed Spinazzola in the final. I thought he was the player of the tournament. I wouldn't that's, give him, I wouldn't that's give why him I thought time. England would win because Emerson was like as he was like a yeah. spare plum out there. He was I just think he's not a player at all. Yeah, he was poor. Early, he was poor early in the game. He grew into the game in fairness to him. But um I actually I actually found the penalties and and um watching the BBC coverage of it and the, the very first person you see when it goes to penalties is Prince William with his five fingers out and he's pointing, picking his five players. And as you go around the stadium, every, everybody's got their hand out. And, and you know, great, you, isn't it? Yeah. you look at the famous people in the crowd and you could see that the five players are already picked because Gareth Southgate, two... two he eyeballs him. He goes one to one to one to one to one to one, doesn't he? Like yeah. he he's and, not deviating from who he goes to. Yeah. Like. And uh, you mentioned Mr. Keane, who who uh, you don't hate. I hate him. I can't stand him. I can't stand the man. Uh, I'm not going to go off on a rant about him, but he is in the position he's in because he will always provide that soundbite to piss people off and make headlines. And the headline wasn't made that Jack Grealish came out and said, well, I would have taken a penalty. That was never going to be a headline because people don't want to read the truth. They want mm. to read the spin that the likes of Roy Keane who uh, has a cheek to be commentating on tactics and management because he was useless at both, including his time at Aston Villa. So I have absolutely zero respect for him as a player or as a man. So 
don't get me started on them. I've already got started. Sorry. So we'll uh, move on. I have, I, I've assented to Mr. Keane as well that I do think it's actually very, very rich that Raymond would uh, lecture uh, or he's, I felt that he almost questioned the leadership and the professionalism of Raheem Sterling and Jack Grealish. I think that's a small bit rich from somebody who left, uh, left down his country and call it what you want. You can be on his side. If the balls weren't it, if there wasn't enough balls in the ball bag or whatever, or the, 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 the bib smelt like shit or something like that. There were all excuses they were trying out afterwards. It was an amateur operation. You get on with it, you do it. Ireland had a decent chance in that, in that world cup. They went and they played Spain, got knocked out on a, on a, um, on a penalty shootout as well in the World Cup quarterfinal, Roy yeah. Keane would have made an absolutely huge difference. Could you imagine Ireland getting to a World Cup semi-final or, or to, you know, getting, getting, ah, look, don't even get me started. But look, I think that's small but rich as well. And it always will be. And he has to live yeah. with his decision too. He yeah. has to live with his decision. He can't, there, start, there's start, a reason, can't start casting blame. Yeah. There's a reason these TV companies have them there. So when the video was, was thrown around the internet by all, all the usual clickbaits, it was all ITV coverage and they were delighted with that and best to look to them. That's what they decided to do. Um, the minute I saw it was on ITV, I watched it on BBC. I watched it. I watched it in RTE. I watched, um, it, I watched, I watched it on RTE to start with. But I, and I turned over to BBC yeah. just after the penalties because yeah. I didn't want, I wanted to, I wanted to, to, to get, the British view on it, the the the, the English view on it, because yeah. I felt I I genuinely and look, you can say that I'm pandering. Maybe not you, but people listening to this can say I'm pandering to the crowd. I genuinely felt for England in that instance. It's happened so many times. Like you know, mm. I don't delight in anybody losing a penalty shootout. You know, I've had people say to me, you know, God, you must be jumping around the the, the sitting room. Absolutely, I, I, and you know, I could okay, somebody if you want to do that, that's fine. That's absolutely no problem. But like. I'm going to have to go jump on and do a podcast about Aston Villa and I'm going to have to cheer these people, you know, uh, for 48 you know, weeks of the year. And, and I, I, I think my, I felt my, over, my overriding really emotion was that I, I really felt sorry for those three young players who yeah. had that put onto their shoulders. Absolutely. And, you know, I genuinely thought there was a better selection of five penalties that could have been given. Yeah. And that's I, don't know, I don't know how true it is. And, you know, I know we've discussed it that Jordan Pickford apparently is a very good penalty taker, and he would have been number seven before Jack Grealish. I'm just who was number six? Um, number six was good question. Probably. Uh, look, there was loads of players there. There's loads, yeah. There was loads of players there as well. But should just with so many attackers on the pitch by the end of the game with the, with the, the changes. Mm. But even even at that, I thought I thought the likes of Trippier would have taken a penalty. Very surprised to see him taken off. Um, you know, generally considered a, a dead ball specialist. Surely you would you would think he could pick a spot from twelve yards that would deceive any goalkeeper. But you know. I, I think the book falls with, with, with Garrett on the whole thing. I said it many times during the tournament. Garrett Southgate was either a genius or he was very, very lucky. And I think it was the latter and his luck ran out in the in the final in, in, in penalties. Mm. And, you know, he may prove me wrong. He may go on and become a world-class coach. But that's my overriding feeling on, on the whole thing. I, th I think he probably... He probably did very, very well and a lot more respect is due than I'm giving him. But I thought there were some very questionable team selections throughout the tournament. But he got the results and nothing and that and that would be totally forgotten about. I, I think Garrett Southgate is 
Uh, look, I don't think Gareth Southgate's going to go on and have a fantastic managerial career after this. Not because I don't think he's a good manager, but because I think Gareth Southgate won't want to have a massive managerial career after this. I think he sees it himself that he's hit the zenith of of, of his profession. Right. I think he, I think he will go and he will continue to work with the FA and in some sort of capacity. I don't see him going back into the rigors or going going into the rigors of club management because yeah. I think nothing to be gained for him to do this. Call like. Say what you like. Yes, he may have got lucky, but he's got lucky two tournaments in a row. And sometimes mm. that's what you need. And sometimes you just need to be the right man in the right place at the right time. And I think he has been. And I think the overarching thing that you will see is that he has brought a togetherness to the team. And I think that is that is important as well. Um, yeah. But I, I also think that, you know, when you look back at this, that, you know, it's going to be hard to disagree that he's probably the best England man, best manager England have had in the last twenty years, you know. And he's and he's, very, and he's not, well. but he's, he's he's also very very lucky in that he's dealing with a golden generation of players. No, and, that's the thing. I think he I think he's made that team better because he's he's got a golden generation of individuals. But I think yeah. he knows how to use them. And I think I think that while we don't agree with his with his team selections, I think they don't they. You know, it can be said across the board. Majority of people will question things like question things in his in his decisions. I think he was able to get an awful lot out of that team, especially defensively. Yes, and you could see that. Then I don't think other managers w- would have. Um, I can't say that other managers wouldn't have been able to do that, but I think he he could be justified in saying that. Listen, I I, I squeezed every last bit out of the bit out of this team, and the proof is in the pudding: a semi final and a final. So, um, like they've had managers like Capello. You know, Capello is going to go down as one of the greatest managers, certainly one of the greatest European managers, maybe in the top 10, you know, and he couldn't get Lampard and, and Gerard to play together. Whereas Southgate didn't even see that he had to do that. He brought in players and he played them the way they were. And I'm saying this completely on the other side of my mouth because I wanted him to start Grealish. But we see when he starts the game with Grealish, Sancho, Rashford on the bench. Yeah. And, you know, that's the galling part. That's the frustrating part. He has all these, he has a full box of knives yeah, he's using the back end of a spoon to cut his to, to butter his bread. You well, know, that, that, you know, that, <laughs> my overriding emotion is that, you know, I, I know he. Some people coined the phrase "safe gate," is what they were calling him. That he played it safe, and you know, I think when you've got that in your armory, you've got to use it to the best that you can. Mm. And I don't believe he did. I think there was occasions there that he could have put teams to the sword. That didn't happen. Um. I think he could have went for Italy and and gone for the fact that there there's two yeah, very yeah. very old centre halves there that would have had a lot on their plate dealing with an effervescent front three, and uh, I I think they could have overran them very easily in that game. But the minute the team was picked, I had decided in my head. I said I don't think England will have enough here. We would. I've one last question, and we're going to move off England because I didn't even want to speak about uh, going into yeah. detail and and so okay. But I think look, the conversation has gone that way, and I'm happy that we did because we we kind of have well, we've similar thought processes. It's it's a it's it's been a nice conversation on it. But do you think England? Do you, and this is going to sound almost like the dad joke of cliches. Did England score too early? Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. It did it did like it, you you could almost see that it, that that. Garrett became withdrawn in him in, in the team and the team just withdrew. But do you think that that was on order or do you think that would have been the plan regardless? I don't think they ever legislated for scoring that early. Um, mm. even, even for five minutes after the goal went in, they were still going at the same pace. And I think he struggled to get the word onto the pitch. Hang on, guys. We're 1-0 up here. Mm. 
calm down. I think there, I think there was so much testosterone flowing there. You know, every every everybody was just you know absolutely flying. And it took about I, I think it was about eighteen or nineteen minutes. That I I said to you know my son who was watching a match with me. I said they finally calmed down and realized they're one nil up here. You know, because they were just running off pure adrenaline from, you know, a, a huge rendition of the national anthem and, and everything else. Yeah. And, you know, and even after they scored, I, I felt that the crowd went a bit flat, like as if they were almost shocked at what they were looking at and, and not quite not quite knowing how to deal with the situation. And, you know, we're, we're probably right to give this the air that it deserves because, you know, Southgate's a former Villa player. Um, yeah. Correct. You know, I, I had a lot of love for him when he played for Villa. Bit disappointed in him leaving. I thought that we could have built a, a, a very uh, strong team at the time and given him another couple of years. But um, you know, and I, I don't, I don't mean to have a go at him. But you know, we're here to give our opinion, and and that's how I felt about his his selection throughout the championship. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, look, we spoke a good bit there about Jack Grealish, and we all would have liked to, you know, from from the selfish point of view, I would love to see him take that fifth penalty, stick it in the back of the net, and have his face everywhere. We could, and we, I, I joked about, it. I don't know, did we joke about it? I joked about it somewhere anyway. Whether I was just talking to one of my mates or something, that West Ham say they won the World Cup in '66 because uh, <laughs> because of who scored, we would have been able to say that Aston Villa won the European Championship in 2021. Well, the 2020 European Championship in 21. It would, the most, it would have been the most Aston Villa thing of all time, you know, if that had happened. Yeah. Um, but Jack Grealish, obviously, uh, England is done with for the for for the time being. Uh, you'd be blown away if he wasn't on the plane to Qatar. But in the meantime, will he be on the plane to Qatar as a Man City player or as an Aston Villa player? Um, talks re-emerging again there that uh looks like from the city side seem to be stalking it you know the regular regular heads from the manchester evening news yep. and so on like that and the city chiefs and you know even the athletic are getting in on it as well saying it was a done deal for 90 million i don't know how they've got a bargain there's 10 million or 15 million gone off the price tag in the space of three weeks but somehow they've got a bargain anyway according yep. to these outlets Look into your crystal ball, Paddy. What are we seeing in the next two weeks? Because I don't think it's going to go on to the end of the transfer window. I think it's no, well, it, in the next two weeks. I, th- I, I genuinely, and I, I mean this 100%, I believe that the next breaking news we have from Jack Grealish will be Jack Grealish signing a new contract. That's my belief. Um, I don't believe it's too far away. I don't know whether he's still in the country, whether that can be done now, whether he, whether it's already in the process and, and ready to be done when he comes back to train him, whether there's no, I don't believe there's any, any talk to have here. Um, it was a very good piece written by under a gaslit lamp about the Milwaukee books and how they built mm. the team around Janice. And I, I truly believe that that's what um, our owners are. are, are we, I'm going to stop you mid floor. I'm not letting you away with just calling him Janice. You, no. Go for the surname. I'm not even going for the surname, no. I I'm think, Janice, I, I think he, it's like, uh, it's like Kobe Dwayne Bryant. Co, I think it is, yeah. <laughs> he, he didn't make it very easy for us. But anyway, um, I, I do believe that that's, that's their business model. They We, we have, pro, like, and, and that's my, my gripe with Southgate. I believe Jack Grealish is one of the shining stars in world football. Not just the Premier League, not just Aston Villa. He's a world football star and wasn't utilised properly at the European Championships. And secretly, I'm kind of happy he wasn't because 
now there's like it's not like he was player of the tournament. He won won the championship for England, and everybody wants him. Being totally honest, I don't believe that there's any club in the in the world other than Manchester City and Paris Saint-Germain, maybe, that can afford Jack Grealish. If Jack Grealish, was, and I, I don't believe it's going to be Paris Saint-Germain either, I, I think it'd be an absolute crazy move to go there. And I believe it's an absolute crazy move to go to Manchester City too. And the reason behind that is, you look at what he's been through in the last three weeks, sitting on the bench, that will happen at Manchester City. Yeah. He won't play every game. He'll go two or three weeks without a game. And I think he thrives on being the centre of attention and being the best player, you know, that is on display on the pitch. And I think regardless of where he goes in the Premier League, he's going to be one of the best players on the pitch. And I believe he will come back, sign a new contract. His release field will go up again. And I believe that if we can get into Europe next season, we will see Jack Grealish forever. If we don't get into Europe next season... I would quite happy pat him on the back and say, thank you so much, Jack. You got us back to the, the promised land. You've led us to, you know, a mid-table finish this 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 year, hopefully an improvement next year. You know, go spread your wings, do what you got to do, win trophies, win win uh, win medals. Because that's, you know, to me, that's important for footballers. But I guarantee you, for, for Jack to go and qualify for Europe or a Champions League with Aston Villa would probably mean more than a Premier League medal with Manchester City. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I don't know. I. I, I think he signs this. I don't think he's going to. I think. I think no. next. Like, I, I genuinely believe he's signing. I think, I think it's. Part, I think it might even be signed already. To be honest with you, there might be something even signed before he went away. Look, we all live with this fever dream that something big happens when there's a release of a new of a new kit that they release it along with news yeah. or a new signing. You know, you never know. It might be. Yeah, the kid is out, and then you just see the boy from the boy from Birmingham, and he just says, "Oh, by the way, I've signed a new contract as well." Something nice and understated like that, nicely shot video out Marbella or whoever he is. Um, that would be nice. That would be great to see, and it would put a real pep in my step tomorrow. Yeah, anyway. I mean, remember the reaction we had to Tyrone Mings getting off the train in Witten Station in, in his. Having the last time we seen him in Bournemouth Station in his Villa kit, that was brilliant from the, from the final. To be in Witten Station in the new in in the new kit for the Premier League last season, you know something like that tomorrow would would, uh, would make my year, and uh, would would really get the juices flowing ahead of the new season. I don't think it, it may not be tomorrow. If it is, magic. But uh, I, I think it's coming down the line, and I think there'll be a lot to be said for the promotional photos that we look at tomorrow and see if Jack's in them. Yeah. Nah, they would have been taken ages ago. I wouldn't be too. And to be honest with you, I probably, they probably won't have Jack in them for the simple fact that Jack's been away for the last month. I'd say we'll see Ezra Conza. I'd say we might even see John McGinn or someone like that. But look, there might have been Photoshop is a wonderful thing. Photoshop Absolutely. is a fantastic thing. <laughs> God knows we need it. God knows we need it the best of times. Um, let's talk a small little bit about potential incomings. Or actually, let's go on to the shirt tomorrow. Have you any ideas? You know, we've seen a couple of mock-ups. I am not a fan of pinstripes or um, that kind of design of where it looks like. You know, when you cut the grass and you cut in the field, you cut, cut the pitch, and you've got one darker line, you've one lighter line as it goes up. 
I'm just not a fan of it. I just think it's not needed, especially in an Aston Villa jersey. It only works well, I think, maybe on a on a jersey that has stripes in it. I don't I don't yeah. want to incorporate stripes into our jersey, should I say. Now, am I going to throw a hissy fit and say it's a pile of shit? I won't. I'll buy it. I might even buy two because the way I'm putting on weight at the moment, I might need to get an emergency <laughs> one. Um so it's uh yeah, look, I, I I never get too high or get too low about 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 shirts and and things like that but uh it is tomorrow isn't it oh, yes it is actually they announced tomorrow, it today yeah yeah, uh, it 14th. yeah it does um no it's a, I, I genuinely believe it's a big day in the calendar and it it probably becomes a bigger day as the season goes on when you when you look at you look at kits that we've launched over the years just just go back a season or two to that green kit um mm. everyone looked at it and went Oh my God! This this thing is just a, a, an absolute mess, and it, there's no flow to it or whatever. You know, everybody complained, and yeah, I loved it. I didn't mind. It. Name, yeah, I, I bought I bought it, but you know when I bought it, I bought it when Jack Grealish stood on the pitch in uh, in West Ham with his fingers in his ears, yeah. and that's just become an iconic picture in their history. And mm. you know, I've I've bought a lot of kits for that reason. Um, the black kit this season. Was just we just seemed to have all our magic moments in that black kit, so I was buying it, you know. So that's what you do. You go back to stripes. We got to an FA Cup final wearing big, huge monster stripes in 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 the year two thousand. I think I had I think I had two or three of those because I ended up buying one with FA Cup two thousand on oh, yeah. on one just before the for the game. So you know I, I've I've got bags and bags of jerseys and. You know, all the memories flood back when you look at an old jersey. So, I think I think it's important. But I, I like the understated ones. I like the, you know, my favorite home jersey is is the Luke jersey from a couple of years ago. Yeah, and all too. of the ones, all of the ones other than that are the plain ones that have you know, claret body, blue shorts, or, or blue sleeves, I should say, and you know, be just simple and stated. You know that you just know that's an Aston Villa kit. I'm a huge fan of a collar. I don't know what it is, just that old sky, old style collar. Um, What's your love with like, Dwight York coming back up again? You see, <laughs> yeah, Dwight York's one was huge. Like it was like something Harry Hill would wear, you know. Whenever that the the collar on that one, and it was as itchy the collar on that jersey. I did like it, but I suppose actually now that I'm thinking of it, the collar is a specific piece. You know, you don't want to look like a looking like a rugby jersey either. So I'm just actually convinced myself that maybe I don't like the collar as much as I thought I did there one well, moment. I never liked the collar because yeah. you'd always have one bit standing up higher than the other and it just... Oh, the whole look good, look feel good, play good thing, is it, Paddy? Yeah, big fan <laughs> of that. Um, yeah, so we'll know more about the new shirt anyway tomorrow. I don't imagine the cap are going to come out and going to blow, blow the doors off with anything. Um, last time, it's going to be the last kit for this contract whether we re-up with Kappa or not is going to be I suppose something that we'll hear over the coming months anyway but um, look they they have uh, another shirt to put out tomorrow and we're, I suppose we're going to show, we're going to see what that is going to be um, before we cut off here and before we leave should I say want to just talk one or two bits and pieces about potential incomings are in one instance I think somebody we can draw the line through he ain't coming and that's Emil Smith Rowe um, Arsenal suffered what you could kind of describe was a shock defeat to Hibs today. The first goal they conceded was an absolute abomination. Um, but the last two one, Emil Smith Rowe actually came and and scored the goal, the consolation goal for 
uh, Arsenal and after the game Arteta said there isn't a hope in hell he's leaving he's staying at Arsenal and that's it and it's you know it's much ado about nothing um so that's one off the list I think Paddy uh, unless on, Arteta is on the other hand how many times have you heard that and the player sold the week after <laughs> I don't know Sometimes, sometimes you have to weigh up whether the player's heart is in it or whether it was just agent speak or whether there even was. And we'll probably never find out whether there was a, a bid in there. Yeah. Um, so um, I always sit in the fence with that, with, with that kind of a, a manager statement because there's so many mitigating factors in, in what can happen with a transfer that if the money's right and the player's not happy, let the player go. That's always been my opinion. So... Uh, I'm not drawing a line under it just yet. Ah, I think I will. I'm going to draw a line, a line through. Um, draw a line through that. But uh, the other one then is somebody who's, you know, seems to be a lot of momentum behind it. It was first announced maybe about two and a half, three weeks ago that Julian Alvarez in River Plate, and we have a video on him actually. If you guys want to go and watch it. He was murmured, or there was rumours, should I say. And we didn't even talk about Copa America, and we will talk about that before we go, because this can be our nice little segue, as if I meant it. And we didn't talk about preseason either, so that'll be going on too. Um, so Alvarez, um, Alvarez is, there's there's muted bids in there, there uh, seems to be talks between uh, representatives in Aston Villa going on um, South American press at the moment. Uh, Alvarez is somebody that I would I would actually like us to sign. I watched five of his games. Um, majority of the games that I watched or the pieces that I watched, as I say, I watched them through on, on almost double speed because just when you can't listen to the commentary, um, especially in the Copa Libertadores, you know, when you can't listen to the commentary, you can't understand what's going on in the commentary, I find it really off-putting. So I turn off the sound and watched it in twice the speed until Alvarez got the ball, but um, he looks to be pretty decent. You know, I like what I've seen from him. He's not going to be the typical player. You're not like he's not going to be that rigid player that people would expect from to to come from the UK. Like if you're talking about, oh, he's not going to be a number ten. He's not going to be a uh, a striker. He's not going to be a right uh, a right winger. We don't need anybody to play in those positions. I think this guy, and I think somebody coming in there, I think he's going to be the joker in the pack. He's going to be the wild card. And and I, I don't think even that Dean Smith wants to play with a 10, to be honest with you. As I've said this before. Ross Barkley didn't play his best football as a 10. The reason he withdrew into the 10 role was because we were leaking goals and, and we were, um, weren't playing well when he was out of the team and he was struggling coming back from injury. But um, that's completely my hypothesis on it. But do you know anything about Alvarez? Have you heard anything on the grape, grape uh, vine that he might be signing? Anything like well, that? You know, generally when the South American media make a transfer on, 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 you know, make a public knowledge, it tends to happen. So for that reason, I don't see any reason why it won't happen. He, you know, if, if you know, I, I urge people to go back and have a look at the video you made because it was very insightful and uh, it's, it's well worth a watch or a listen. Um, I think this deal is done. I think it's just a case of crossing the T's and dotting the I's and getting this thing sorted. Um, he just screams out to be the type of player that we're going to sign. He's young. He's vibrant. He's you know, um, the type of player that we we seem to be attracting. You know, a kind of. A, a faster, smaller Bertrand Triore, maybe. You know, mm -hmm. there's loads of ways of describing this guy because in in the clips that I've seen, he's done wondrous things. So uh, 
Look, he's he's probably not a if we do sign him, he's probably not a player for this season, but a player that we can we can mold and grow into a, a player for us for many seasons to come, and that's that's where I see him. Um, but he will be in around the first team, obviously, if he signs, and we will see him get cameos here and there. And who knows, with injuries, suspensions, whatever happens, we we could see him in there as a as a permanent fixture. But that that's how I see him coming in as a signing. And I think there's a big possibility that that one will happen. I'm exactly the same. I think he's going to be striker slash second striker. And, you know, people will look at him and look at his physical attributes and say, Oof, you know, five foot nine, five foot, uh, five foot nine, five foot ten at a massive push. If you have a generous tape to measure him with, you know, um, that's what we're talking about there. But he doesn't play to that size. Um, I actually think like you as well, I think he'd be blooded in this year. I don't think he'd be a specific first name in the team sheet. I think he'd be someone that we brought in. I think that he probably sits somewhere in uh, as as a more attacking and a more vibrant form of like like Sanson is going to get his opportunity in around midfield. I don't think he'd be as withdrawn as he was last year. I think he might be played up up a small bit further in that in if we are to play with a ten or if he, if there's a tactical change, I think we should, we might see Sanson in there. But what I'm trying to get at here is and and I know I said that Smith doesn't really want to play as a ten. Smith wants options to change for, change formations and to make things work. And that was one of our biggest problems last year was we didn't have anything to even change it, change formation. Never mind give Ollie Watkins a break. We had nothing to change the formation. And I think that's what that's what Smith wants because he sees that we the lot of attacks broke down, you know, when we got into that that final third. So the more options and uh, to keep the defenses guessing and to keep the, the other dugout guessing as well, I think the better for, for Smith. You know, as my phrase is. You're better off looking at them than looking for them, you know. So if you get those uh, those exciting players or those players that you think might have that little spark, even mm-hmm. if they only play 10, 15 games a, a, for their first season, that's better than maybe putting them in a situation like Wesley was where he was thrown right to the lines, got stick straight away, and then ended up getting injured. And now people are kind of going, well, maybe he is, Maybe we don't really even want him at the club anymore. Yeah. You know, little bits and pieces like that I think are important. And when we have an opportunity to bring through a potential talent like that, we should take the opportunity uh, if, if that does come up. So there are the two boys there. Um, talking about the Copa America, since Alvarez was in the Copa America, I think I'm not going to sit here and say that I saw all the games. I didn't. I saw the final. I saw the semi-final uh, with, the, with the penalties. Um, and Emmy Martinez is just a boss. He's just an absolute man-mountain. And of... Every single player on that team, he's very hard to look past to see like that he he has this opportunity to go down as a legend. You know, his backstory of 10 years of an apprenticeship at Arsenal, breaking in with, with Villa, going to the Copa America, being the first Argentinian goalkeeper to win the Golden Glove. The penalty saves, Leo Messi saying that the Argentinian team owe him every, or Emmy Martinez everything. Like, Carlsberg don't do Copa Americas for goalkeepers, but they bloody came close to with with Emmy Martinez. Yeah, I like this. This, this guy is incredible, and it's it's funny when you look at the the reaction of, of a, a player who, in my opinion, is is probably one of the best three players ever to set foot on the planet in Leo Messi. Just every after every game, I didn't I didn't see them all, but I saw a good few of them. He just saw them out. Straight away, he bypassed everybody else, and you could just see, like Emmy Martinez is a man mountain, but you could see him growing a few inches with with how he, how he felt appreciated in that team. Now, if you if you go back down through the years, 
with a lot of goalkeepers cost Argentina tournaments over the years. Mm. It's never been a really strong place for them to, to you know, to, to grow from. So they're going to be dreaming about the World Cup next year. And, you know, we've got one of the best goalkeepers in the world at our club. It's absolutely incredible. And I urge people, if you get a chance, go back and have a look at the penalties, preferably with the subtitles, and listen to what he's saying. Normally, that kind of shithouse really annoys me. The shithousery, I should say, really annoys me with goalkeepers. But uh, it was all verbal. There was no, uh, there was none of the stuff of walking up to the, checking the balls on the spot or any of that. Mm. It just got in their mind. He even made someone laugh at one stage, which I thought was incredible. Because the minute he laughed, I said, he's missing this penalty. Mm. And he did. You know, so um, I suppose it helped that there was nobody in the, in the stadium, no fans. But, uh, you know, he didn't have much to do in the final either. In fairness to him, I don't even think he had a shot to save. Um, I must admit, I was full of uh, uh, beer at that stage at one o'clock in the morning watching it. So I don't remember a whole pile of it. But, you know, there were, uh, Argentina got one chance, scored it, didn't create a whole lot, didn't um, concede many chances. So that was ultimately what cost them the game. Cost Brazil the game, I should say. Um we should mention that Douglas Louise was there mm-hmm. on the other end of it. It seemed very likely that they were saving him for the Olympics yeah. and didn't see much game time. Uh, I think, in fact, he only got on for maybe one or two games for a few minutes at either mm-hmm. side. Um, I think in one game they brought him on in the 19th minute, which was bizarre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But look, it meant he got an appearance at the Copa America and good luck to him. Um, but uh, I was rooting for Argentina because it's just, you know... Uh, given the fact that we've just spoken about who we're linked with, we, we saw Amy Buendia arrive at the club yesterday. Um, and then we've got one of the best goalkeepers in the world at our club who just happens to be Argentinian. So uh, I was rooting for them. And uh, they they came out with, as you say, they, they won it. And he came out with the Golden Glove, which is phenomenal. Mm, absolutely. I, I wanted Argentina to win as well because I think it would be an absolute travesty if Leo Messi hung up his boots not having won an international exactly. yeah. an, an international um accolade. And and you know y- you could be right, like that there isn't going to be a whole lot of that team that are gonna say, No, I'm not going to Qatar in, in a year's time. And it could just be lightning striking at the right time that Leo Messi wins two after this is a guy who quit international football and was corks back. Next <laughs> thing he wins two back to back in two years. And then that would that for me would would certainly would cement him as the best player ever. Um, I I like we're not going to get down the road on this at the moment. But when Leo Messi and Ronaldo both hang up their boots, we can debate who's going to be the best of all. Who, who if either of the two of them even deserve to be called the best of all time. But mm. I miss watching Leo Messi more than I miss watching Ronaldo. Absolutely. And, that's just yeah. a personal thing for me. And I know other people are saying, no, Ronaldo is way better or whatever. That's there's absolutely one, fine. I'll miss one, watching Messi more than I'll miss watching Ronaldo. There's one other thing that would make him the best player in the world. And, and that would be, without a shadow of a doubt, if he followed the other Argentinians and signed for Aston Villa this season. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and, and to be honest with you, he's been ill-advised if he doesn't. He's a free agent, you never know. You never know he's a free agent at the moment. And considering, and considering Barcelona or oh, in debt, probably more money than most countries make yep. in GDP in a year. You know, it's, um, it's uh, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Um, I was going to go into the, into the uh, preseason stuff. It's been announced, but you know what? We've loads of podcasts coming up. We can do yeah, that. We'll, um, we'll have a good look at them and we we got, we'll be back. We'll, we'll have 
team sheet tantrums in a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We'll have to, we'll definitely be doing those for the for the preseason games anyway. You never know. I might even. I just mad to watch games. I'm mad to watch video games. So you never know. We might even do it. I, I, I say a live watch long, but I, I feel my skill crawl the second I say it. I, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what the crack is. But um, no, it's look. We haven't been on in a while. We haven't had a very good cadence of podcasts over the last few weeks, but we will from from here on in. Um, because uh, look, I suppose as well at the same time, a lot of people will be preoccupied with the with the Euros as well. And look, we didn't really have anything massive to add to it. You know, it would have been. You know, we, yeah, we would be able to give maybe a different view on it, you know, on Villa players or whatever. But to be honest with you, as you said, life was very, very hectic there during the last four or five weeks. And uh, we're back now with a bang and we will be here regularly, if not every, if not twice a week. We might even see us three, four or five times a week. You never know, depending on uh, and, uh, how uh, how things go. But um, no, listen, thanks very much, everybody, for watching and for listening. Can I make one last impassioned plea, actually? And I should have done this at the start of the podcast. And, Paddy, you know, I'll, I'll up your wages, Paddy, if you uh, if you remind me at the start of the podcast to do this. But we're getting very close to the 1,000 follower mark on, 1,000 subscriber mark on YouTube. We're about 854 or 55, I think, at the moment. It would mean the world to us to get to 1,000 just, just because it was something that we actually hit as a target to to hit uh, on YouTube, and we said, "Oh, we give ourselves three or four years, and surely we get to a thousand followers." That was in May, I think it was when we whenever we started doing the team sheet tantrums, maybe March or March or April or May or whenever it was. It probably was around March, and we're nearly there already. And it would just be a huge little uh, personal goal for us. It costs nothing to hit the subscriber button, to be honest with you. So if you could do that, it would be absolutely fantastic. Thanks ever so much for everything you do for the podcast, as it is. Um, really appreciate everything. I heard that there is uh, that there's uh, there's adverts being played in our podcast somehow. I don't know. <laughs> someone's put adverts in our podcast, and you know what? That's fine. That's absolutely fine. So, um, as as I said, there's there, there must be something. There's, we must be doing something good to say that somebody wants to <laughs> advertise with us anyway. But uh, look, real thing here, guys, is but whoever's advertising with us we've no idea but thanks so much everyone for listening without you and uh, none of this would be would be possible uh, especially as we go into our third season of doing this uh, for the love of pomegranate podcast so um that's really it guys we've gone through an awful lot i hope that I hope that uh, everybody in England starts to feel a small bit better about what happened last weekend. We're onwards towards Aston Villa. Hopefully there'll be a few more signings in the coming weeks to kind of soften the blow. And before you know it, you guys will be back in a full Villa Park roaring on, uh, roaring on the re- I was going to say the real lines, not the three lines, but I don't want to go, don't want to go down that, uh, that road and uh, roaring Villa into victory for another, another great season. So thanks very much for everything, everybody. And all that's left to say, is up the villa. Up the villa. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.